0: What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we cover all the innovation happening across the Bitcoin ecosystem. I'm your host, Jacob Brown, but you'll see me on the interwebs as Jake Blockchain. And today I have a great conversation with Brittany Laughlin. Brittany is the executive director at the Stacks Foundation, and we talk about a bunch of topics. We cover her background and kind of past life as a VC. But uh, we also talk about what fascinates her about crypto and why she got involved, and a ton of topics around the Stacks Foundation. How does it uh, set its goals? How does it manage its treasury? Where do they see themselves in five years and what kind of what they're building towards? And a bunch of other topics. So I think you're going to find this one super interesting, especially if you're a stacker. So without further ado, let's jump into this conversation. But first, a quick word from our sponsor.
1: We all know Bitcoin is for the innovators, the revolutionaries, and the builders looking to build a better world for themselves and for the next generation. We also know the saying, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is right now. The same thing applies to building on Bitcoin. If you want to come build with the most active developer community, building new use cases for Bitcoin, then it's time you make the leap to learning clarity. Clarity is the Stacks smart contract programming layer, which enables us to work on DeFi, smart contracts and so much more, all built with the safety and security that comes with Bitcoin. Start today by going to start.stacks.org. Start.stacks.org has a five step journey that will take you from complete Stacks novice to teaching you clarity all the way to finding a job with a Web3 Stacks startup. Don't wait another month, year, or decade waiting to get involved in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Start building on Bitcoin today. Go to start.stacks.org to start learning and building today.
0: Thank you to the Stacks Foundation for sponsoring this podcast. And now let's jump into this conversation with Brittany Laughlin, Executive Director at the Stacks
1: Foundation. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin.
2: Brittany,
0: how are you doing today?
2: Doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I'm uh I'm excited about this one. This is this is one of those topics where it's kind of like almost like privacy to me, where it's like I know it's important, but it's not super sexy. And I think Foundation talk is probably one of those things, but I post on Twitter, anybody have any questions, and usually, sadly, there's no responses. Like People kind of, things percolate, but no one ever comments. We got some comments on these, so that shows interest, so I'm excited about that. Um, But before we jump into crypto topics or nuances around foundation stuff, I'd love to just learn a little bit more about your background kind of pre-crypto
2: yeah pre-crypto well that was like a very long time ago now (laughs) it feels like um so i i come from like an entrepreneur background so i had a company in like the web 2 world like back when facebook connect was really popular this idea of like social travel so like a lot of people just getting advice from other travelers um that was my first company and that was like in 2010 Um, so you know raised venture capital built the business sold the company Um, And then got an opportunity to join a venture capital team with uh, Union Square Ventures in New York. So that was like a very pivotal change because like going there, that's where I got to work with companies like Twitter and Twilio, Kickstarter, Stack Overflow. um, these Really amazing web to companies that were all community focused. And uh, in our investing thesis, we expanded to look at things like Bitcoin, this idea of like a decentralized financial system. Um, a way for people to use like native uh, okay. internet technology to do things that weren't possible before. So we made our first investment in Coinbase uh in 2014. I had to meet like Brian and Fred, just like two entrepreneurs, <laughs> you know, had this crazy idea of like a Bitcoin wallet. Um, and through that investment, it got me introduced to Bitcoin and uh, you know, sort of this idea of like how we could disrupt web to some of these monopolies like Google and Facebook. Uh, with crypto technology. Um, and soon after that, I actually got to meet Manib and Ryan from Blockstack, which was called One Name at the time. And this was um, aligned with our thesis around non-financial applications of blockchains. Because at the time, it was pretty much just Bitcoin. Ethereum was just emerging. Um, it didn't have the reputation it does now. So uh, yeah, we made an investment in Blockstack. We made an investment in Filecoin or IPFS at the same time. And Like, it really piqued my curiosity of like, how could these tools be used to like, create the next internet? We were always thinking about like, what's 10 years in the future? And it felt like Facebook and Google and Amazon were sucking like all the innovation out of the internet. Like they were just consolidating everything. They were keeping people's data. There was no way to disrupt them. So this sort of path of like, this technology is going to open up a new innovation vector is what's been... You know, driving me and encouraging me to go from the investing side, both at USB, my own fund, into joining uh, the SACS team full time uh, a number of years ago. So I'm very, very excited about like seeing the vision through in such a long period of time. It's, you know, eight years ago that that was really my first exposure and, and just seeing like, the amazing stuff that's being built today.
0: Amazing. And was what you said non financial applications of crypto, was that? Yeah.
2: Of uh, blockchains, yeah. I mean, it was being called crypto back then. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's funny as I've been moving the podcast from stacks to Bitcoin, I have to like watch my language because people will get very angry about it's it's Bitcoin, sir, not crypto. But <laughs> was that a contrarian bet back then? Where you know Bitcoin was very much like it's trying to be, you know, peer to peer cash. And so anything other than that was like you're kind of uh bleeding edge, either that or you're kind of just like an oddball. Like was that a very contrarian bet?
2: yes completely i mean i think it was like um most vc peers were like crypto that's like silk road that oh. drug dealers people on the dark web using it um how are you even investing in that like uh there was a lot of skepticism around it um obviously there's some funds that have done extremely well because they kind of made these contrarian bets early earlier oh. um, and other fans kind of like doubled down on it like much later uh, but yeah, I think it was like it was like the weirdo technology of the day. Like everyone wanted the next Uber. They didn't want um, something that like who knew what was going to happen and how to even own equity in something like Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, it, it really broke the VC model. And I think it's been great because it's really opened up the ways investors or people who believe in a project can get involved. Like back in the day, if you loved Kickstarter and you thought it was the greatest thing. You could launch a product on there, but there was no way to be involved in like Kickstarter itself or the growth of the platform or having ownership over um, the value that if you were helping uh, create more value in Kickstarter, you had no owner unless you were willing to be like an employee and kind of get equity that way. Uh,
0: Just a quick pause. We had some audio issues. So now we're going to switch to a different microphone and jump right back in to the podcast. Okay. It's cool. It's fascinating. So then for you personally, what, um, back then, what caught your eye most and fascinated you most about crypto? Like you you kind of alluded to it where like you get closer to what we're now calling that protocol equity kind of thing. Is that, Mm -hmm. is that the first carrot that you were like,
2: this is freaking cool. I mean, I think it's absolutely cool because like, you know, I was at a VC and that was my only exposure. Um, to like investing. And if you weren't like a, you know, a credit investor, if you didn't have enough money, then there was no way to participate in like investing in startups or these ideas that you believe in, or even like platforms. Like when I first learned about Twitter, like we invested in it at USV, I was like getting all my friends on Twitter. I was like, this is awesome. It's so cool. Um, and I think there's so many people who've helped make Twitter so valuable um, by creating content, by encouraging people to join, by referencing it. And they had no exposure to kind of that. If you think about that, if that were a crypto network and they were getting all these people on boarded, getting all these, you know, businesses built on top of it, I think like there would be more um, upside for those people, but also it might encourage more people to like get involved because they feel like they own it and they care about it and they want to be part of its future. Um so that was super fascinating and then i think just like like i come from like a family of entrepreneurs i like vc cuz you're helping entrepreneurs i like um bootstrapped entrepreneurs like i'm like entrepreneurship of any shape or size i think is really empowering so this idea that there were new ways that people could start businesses that didn't exist and they didn't have to worry about competing with google because this was a different vector it was like google's going to own all your data well what if Google can't own your data, this creates a new opportunity for people to build stuff that previously wasn't possible. Um, and I think one of the most tangible things we've seen in the last like few years is like NFTs. Like the fact that an artist doesn't have to go through a third party, they don't have to um, publish on a certain website or get approval to do it or ask permission, they can just like bring their art directly to someone who wants to buy it and immediately reap the value of that. Like... It's like a no brainer. Like, why wouldn't we want this tool? Because prior to that, there's no way that you could get distribution without um, going through a third party.
0: Right. Okay. Um, so I'm curious about because I'm fully bonded to what you just said. And like, you know, it's crazy to me as, you know, uh, how do I put this? Like, didn't come from any money, entrepreneur ish, but like, didn't learn finances, you know. The idea of like being an accredited investor doesn't even seem possible in my current conception of my mind. But I can go to Vegas and bend all in black. And so there's like this discrepancy of what seems fair versus are you really protected people? And so back then I like I could see that that uh you know rosy future and like the tech is possible, it's it's still being built, but then you kind of you have to butt up against the world and its practicalities and like regulations and stuff what's your thoughts on like, maybe how how rosy were you back then? And then kind of like, how is it view almost a decade later with the current, you know, fight through SEC and all that stuff? Yeah.
2: Well, part of the, you know, I feel like I've gotten the front row seat to that journey because, you know, Stacks is the first product that's ever been qualified by the SEC. I joined the team in advance of that qualification, partially just to like sit on the front row and you know, I like doing things that have never been done before. And it was like, well, we've never done this. Like, how are we going to do it? How are we going to think about the sale? Um, how are we going to grow it? So like all of that stuff was like completely fascinating to me. Um, but going through that process, you see that, you know, this this new world, is definitely butting up against um, the old world because there are so many restrictions on financial institutions in the U.S. Um, so I've gone very deep in the rabbit hole. I actually teach at Cornell Tech. Um, in Cornell Law School on this topic, like deciphering DeFi. And it's for law students and MBA students to understand the regulatory constraints in the US. Currently, they're constantly changing. We've had new updates come. But I think it's it's very critical that we get to an, a regulatory environment where it, it, it does allow innovation. It does allow experimentation. And it doesn't create so many restrictions that people just exit the US and say, like it's not worth it. I'm just going to go elsewhere. I'm optimistic. I think the US uh, values capitalism. I think there's a lot of capitalism and tax money that can be uh, attributed to crypto. So I think it's here to stay. But I do think some of these restrictions have slowed down innovation. Um, So, you know, the good thing is, is like there are now so many playbooks. Like Stacks has like broken the ground on what it means to be SEC qualified, making it easier for other projects to build on top with that confidence that you know, Stacks is not going to come into like an SEC case um, in in that way, or like did something maybe that was kind of risky in the beginning and wouldn't be um, in line with like regulatory questions. So, you know, it's not a guarantee because obviously the regulation keeps changing, but I think it is, you know, it gave me the confidence to join a project because that was one of my biggest concerns. Mm. Um, there were so many ICOs and things that were done <laughs> very, uh, very fast and haphazard. And I think we've seen those already shake out with case studies of, legal action and stuff that's happened. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's like part of my mission is like, how do we educate more lawyers today of why crypto is really empowering and a tool so that like these um, individuals who are making these laws, who are sitting at the SEC, who are, you know, the council who are fighting for these projects uh, feel empowered to like help drive innovation going forward and not just say like, I don't know what this is. Let's just like shut it down. Um
1: so
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. It, where's the best place? Cause I, I like that. And I think you know, education is is power kind of thing. So it's like, where's the best place to find that signal to noise on this kind of sp- specific
2: topic? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think there's so many great lawyers who work in this industry, like either on um in teams, like I'm part of these great uh, like telegram groups where it's like fellow peers at foundations or general counsels at projects. Um, We all are very collaborative because like we all have the same mission of like moving this technology forward. Um, So I get a lot of my information from sort of that insider uh, group. Um, I do think it's great to have open topics. I actually was approached to teach an online course that's like available to everyone, not just law students uh, about it. So I think it would be a great way to just distribute that information further. Um, there's a lot of stuff you probably don't need to know or don't care to know because it, it's it's more like speculative. Um, but as these new like firm regulations come out, which there aren't that many, most of them are very like sweeping general, like, you know, is your project decentralized enough? It's like, what does that mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> uh, we have like some bullet points, um, but like, is it really enough? Is it not enough? Um, some of those more wishy-washy things are, are harder, but... Um, Yeah, I think that uh, if you have questions, ask me. I'm happy to direct other people to it, too, that are lawyers, that are experts. And um, yeah, maybe put out some more content on, you know, what we teach in the class and what may be uh, helpful to other people.
0: Perfect. Yeah. If we we have any resources, we can drop them below. Hopefully we don't bombard your email with too many requests off of that. (laughs) Hit me up on Twitter. (laughs) Right. Very cool. Okay. so I'd love to to start to deep dive into stacks and how the foundation was formed. So for people who don't know, can you give a brief kind of like storyline from OneName to Blockstack to uh, spinning out into the different entities that became Foundation, Hero, that kind of thing?
2: Sure. So um, OneName was originally built off of a Bitcoin fork with this idea that people would need identity online. So like that was like the first feature that they wanted to build. Um, they built on Namecoin. They realized like there was no way to like build that and scale it. Um, there's too many restrictions. So instead, they put out the white paper to build uh, Blockstack, which is its own chain. Um, you know, using the support of Bitcoin. And so, in that process, decided to uh, raise capital through an ICO. Um, decided to go the regulatory route, which took it probably added about two years to the project of just going through that, making sure everything was like buttoned up, getting the approval. And then once um, that was possible, then we released it. Now, the condition on that was like by going through the qualifications, we had to make sure we had a plan for decentralization because that's a key of the SEC's requirements. Like Once the the token is decentralized enough, um, it can freely trade in the US with no problem. And so that path to decentralization was laid out back when we did the fundraise. And it was like, look, there's going to be... Multiple entities that exist in the ecosystem. No one party is going to be so important that, it, like, if it disappeared, um, the network would continue to run. Like, it wouldn't have an impact. So that was always the plan. And when we kind of got to that point where, like, the the token is trading in the U.S., we know that a foundation can help support the growth of things like developers, entrepreneurs, um, governance, and uh, you know, blockchain upgrades those were the, the mission that we kind of took on at the foundation. So I helped spin out that organization about two and a half years ago out of um, what was called Blockstack. It's now called Hero. They narrowed down their focus just to developer tooling. Um, and so we existed. And then a couple of other entities spun out. But that was a plan I think we set out in maybe like 2019, if, if not earlier. So it's been in the works for a number of years. And I think there's still a lot of effort to like just support more um, growth in the ecosystem. Like I think now we have close to like 75 companies that exist on stacks. Um, so it's like the more that exists, the less reliant people are on a central entity and the more, you know, activities that are happening uh, that don't impact us. So I think we've had great success in doing that. <laughs> it was kind of like, "How how's this going to go? Um, I think the last year and a half, we've seen such great growth that it's been really rewarding to see. Right,
0: love it, and, and conceptually, were Blockstack and Stacks the same thing? Just, it's
2: just yeah, once, so once the name re- Yeah, Stacks was a rebrand of Blockstack. So if you know Blockstack or you bought tokens in Blockstack, your token were then um, called Stacks. I think it was just like a brand sort of change um, to avoid any confusion and just make it simpler when you're thinking about like tickers and stuff like that. So yeah, like okay,
0: and then so once the spinoff happens, there's two entities or was there more?
2: Yeah, so there was um, so the Sachs Foundation spun out of Hero, or what became Hero, um, Damon, which is like a mining organization that supports different miners. It's based uh, in Hong Kong. Um, the freehand uh, freehold company spun out as well, run by Patrick. Um, they now do a lot of work supporting like growth, and then like also uh, City Coins. Um, they do they have some overlapping work there. Um, Trust Machines is another organization that exists um, that came out of that initial team. That's like now led by Manib. That's more kind of like a labs, like they're building companies in the ecosystem, especially around Bitcoin, DeFi. Um, Mechanism is another company that spun out and they're also doing like a labs sort of uh, product. So that's just a few that kind of like those people came natively from Uh, Blockstack, what was Blockstack PPC, and to spin out new companies. Um, And then there's like a number of other companies that have just been spun up, like the Stacks Accelerator, which is now called Stacks Ventures, uh, that was funded through a grant. Um, We have a number of other companies that we've funded, like through grants or have got funding through the Accelerator and now exist. So, yeah, like I said, our our ecosystem is becoming quite diverse. Um, I missed another one, Xverse Wallet, which is like a Bitcoin Stacks wallet that was. Um, the engineer who leads that team, he also was at the original block stack. So it's kind of <laughs> the decentral decentralizing has happened.
0: Yeah. We got a heavy, heavy list here. I, I have heard um, I was talking to Zan about this a while ago, about how um, you know, the pre-mine is one thing, that's whatever. Uh, you know, I I like the new idea of like tokens are protocol equity. It, it changed the whole conversation. But one of the ones I've heard people talk about kind of in in deep Twitter threads is that it's faux decentralization, meaning like when you have block stack and you're all together, uh, you know, it's very centralized ish. And then you spin out and you're kind of like you look decentralized, but I mean, you can do like the allow Illuminati whatever, like you all just like hang out in Telegram groups or whatever. Uh, and, and any thoughts on that criticism?
2: Yeah, well, I think what we've tried to focus on is like there's a cost to decentralization. Like if we were to not communicate among our entities, it'd be very hard to move really big things forward. Like Stacks 2.1 launch is coming up in the next month. That impacts miners, developers, exchanges, wallets, you know, stacking partners, all of that stuff. So there has definitely been um, you know, communication that we've had amongst our different teams to try and you know, streamline, making sure those all of those pieces that need to go together will be accomplished. But everyone has their own mission with that. And then everyone has their own priorities of the things that they're working towards and putting out there. So what would be great if we were a centralized company, we'd have one vision, we'd all be working towards that all of our resources would be going to that one place. Um, In a decentralized place that we're in now, we have multiple organizations, they have their own priorities. Not everything may get resourced in the way that it would at a centralized company because people are like, oh, I think this is the most important. We're going to go spend a lot of time and build this. And we don't necessarily um, have capacity to contribute to anything else. So I do think it's... I think it's actually the opposite. I think decentralization has been a harder hurdle <laughs> than like you know than there being like any sort of collusion that's like helps move things faster. I think it's been uh, just communication to try and um, accomplish really large goals. And at the foundation, it's always been our priority to try and make these things as transparent as possible, open avenues like things like SIPS and even Stacks Two Point One. You can see the roadmap all of our blockchain engineering calls are open. All of our SIPs calls are open. Um, all of the progress that is happening is public. Um, it's in GitHub repos, it's in blog posts, it's in the forum. We're talking about it on Twitter. So I do think that like all, we try our best to make the information public um, everywhere that we possibly can. So, you know, if there is a sentiment of like, oh, like people are making decisions without us, I, I think that's absolutely not the case. <laughs> you know, maybe we're coordinating I'm like, How do we, you know, who's going to email which exchange and when, because you have these relationships, we have these, and what are you going to tell them? Um, Yeah, we definitely have some, some like uh, alignment on those things. But even that it's, it's totally up to those teams if they deliver on it. And if they don't, uh, you know, they're accountable to the community, but they're not accountable to us or to other people. Perfect. Thank you for that. Yeah. I just heard a um,
0: podcast with Brian Armstrong and Vitalik. And they had that exact same, exact same question where he, they asked each other, like, what are you envious of, of the other person? And Vitalik was like, decentralization kind of sucks. <laughs> like, it has a mind of its own. There's so many different opinions. So Brian can just decide that like, company culture, for example, and then that becomes the bar. Decentralization is much, much more. There's forces that you can exert as much pressure as you want, but it's only going to go so far. But the net, ideally, the net positive of long-term is beneficial for everybody, stronger as a unit.
2: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Even for example, like our foundation is, I think we have like 16 full-time people. Um, Other foundations that exist in other protocols have like hundreds of employees who are working on certain goals like marketing or documentation or blockchain development. And so um, our resources are so distributed by contributors. You know, this is why we have residents, we have grantees, we have ways that community members can get involved and like accomplish different tasks, but it's not just like our one org. We can kind of be like, okay, we're going to throw like 10 blockchain engineers at this, or we're going to, we have our 50 person marketing team working on grants. It's like, we have one grants manager and we have no specific marketing person for grants. So, you know, we're distributing millions of dollars. So we've tried to be very lean. um, But I think sometimes it's like easy to forget that like, oh, this foundation does this. And I was like, yeah, we're just built very differently because of the way um, we chose to, to take the decentralization path. So like I said, yeah, like you said, there's like positive and negatives. Right. <laughs> um, I listened right. to that podcast. It was great. Yeah, it was very much like, uh, you know, decentralization, it, it creates way more flavors of um, innovation, but it definitely uh, may be slower ultimately than a centralized company. That's a good way of putting it. Okay. So then if we're starting to deep dive into,
0: into foundation stuff in, in the broad umbrella, what, what does a crypto foundation or a stacks foundation do?
2: Yeah. So the way that you can think about our foundation is that we were trying to support the the ecosystem grow by supporting things that aren't commercializable yet and help them get to that point. Um, so early on, we were doing more things in like marketing, Marketing just in like letting people know what Stacks is, and like we sponsored all the events, and we um, were putting out different like blog posts and PR around that. Now that more and more companies have taken on sort of PR, telling the Stack story, like your great <laughs> podcast, like educating people about Stacks, um, it's less of a thing that we have to do in house. So it's a like great, um, you know. Core development is probably always going to be something we do because it's hard to monetize. Like there isn't much money in like just doing core development. So as a foundation, we want to make sure and have reserves that we can fund things like um, core development, uh, governance coordination. So not determining what comes next, but making sure that there's enough resources and communications around making sure those upgrades get suggested. They get feedback. They get you know proposed. They get explained to the community and, and made out there. So that's our long-term vision. In the short term, we still do things like large events, like we helped host the Bitcoin Unleashed event in Miami. Um, So that's like a place to gather all of these companies. Um, Those companies are now like, you know, they're the ones setting the content. They're helping set the stage. They're running like the after parties and events. So we'll over time become a smaller group, but we'll help uh, sort of coordinate those types of things. Um, And then like our big thing just as a nonprofit is being able to provide free education around clarity and stacks and um, getting more developers involved. And then our grants program, which is being able to distribute funds to different teams or individuals in the ecosystem who are building things that benefit the whole community. So we fund things like, you know, governance, we fund things around um, creating educational tools, uh, creating new smart contracts that are open source that anyone can come and use. Um, So there's a whole variety of grants that we fund, but that's probably our largest thing that we're known for is the grants program.
0: Very cool. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. It almost sounds like the way that you've, you've kind of like structured this, the the free market will do what it does best and so you know vcs are going to go find the best uh, stack startups shout out trevor to you know amplify those and help them build the stacks kind of finds the other crevices like core blockchain development or open source protocols that are harder to monetize you guys keep those things
2: alive and flourishing that's kind of the idea Exactly. Yeah. And even just things that are like public goods within Stacks, like we run the bug bounty program um, through a partner called Immunify, where we fund so that if any, uh, you know, like white hat reporter finds a bug in the Stacks chain, we're helping compensate them. We're helping make sure that gets fixed. Um, So it's kind of like if that public good didn't, if we didn't fund that, I don't think a lot of the for profit companies would maybe take on that cost. Uh, But we know that it benefits the whole ecosystem when we cover that. Um, Similarly with like any like legal or compliance or um, getting exchange listings, like we've done that as well, because we know that um, trying to get those integrations built, like we don't pay for those listings, but just getting those integrations set up means more access to stacks, which benefits every stacks holder, um, not just one particular company or place. So yeah, early on, it was especially about getting distribution of stacks in custodies and wallets and exchanges. Now that we've made a really good path there, that's kind of less of the work that we do. It's more support stuff on that. And then it's more just looking forward to like stuff built on top and um, you know open source resources like, we're looking into like compliance. How do we support any builders who need to um, think about compliance? (laughs) Uh, We also set up like audit partners with third-party people that now are trained on Stacks. So like if you wanted to get your um, app an audit, like we have three firms that we've worked with to get them up to speed. So like you could go to one of those and like um, be a customer of them. So yeah, it's kind of these like disparate things, but we're like, there's a big need. (laughs) Like the foundation has this treasury and we're trying to put it to work for the public benefit of all.
0: Got it. Very cool. And you, you mentioned how nimble and, and small the team is, especially compared to other uh, foundations. What What is the kind of makeup for people that don't know of the foundation inside?
2: Yeah, so um, I think everyone's on our website. Should be up to date, but um, you can see <laughs> all the team members there, stacks.org. Um, we have sort of like three main teams. Um, we have one that's around like entrepreneurship growth and that's thinking about, um, yeah, content around stacks. How do people know that they can build on it? How do we support the accelerator and the pre-accelerator and um, investors who want to learn about the companies building on stacks? So that whole category of like supporting builders. Um, we have another category that's uh, around like developers. So that's. Supporting the core blockchain, supporting governance around the blockchain so people can build on it, and then developer education. So, making sure there's documentation, there's trainings, um, there's different events for them. So, that's another category. And then we have um, a group that's thinking about, uh, like, well, the, the tools that you use to support builders and developers. Those are our two customers, but that's everything from our amplification team, like, You know, we have a big social media presence, we do a lot of content on YouTube, Um, we throw events, we do PR, all of that is in support of helping builders and uh, developers. And then, um, like also within that is like our grants program where it's like we're we're funding, we have our residence program. So. That's pretty much our team. So it's, uh, it feels like very small and nimble <laughs> relative to the amount of stuff that they're able to to put out. So it's an amazing team. If you've ever worked with anyone, um, that's on the Stocks Foundation team, I like have to give the big shout out because I think they do the work of like 50 people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Can't confirm everyone I've interacted with the foundation has been just amazing and top tier. So that's, yeah. So what is, uh, then for you, then what is the, average day look like for executive director, Brittany?
2: Yeah, it feels like it's always changing in some ways. Like, you know, right now, our our big focus is like the Stacks 2.1. Um, as the foundation, we feel like we have to make sure everyone's like getting lined up. They know, you know, um, in the ecosystem, they know what's coming, they, the integrations are ready, the technical upgrades are there. So it's just making sure it feels like a lot like, Project management, like all of that stuff needs to get done. Um, How do we accomplish it within our team? Um, We're also thinking a lot about like what comes after Stacks 2.1. And this is, um, we've done this, like we've run surveys, like there's public surveys out there now for developers. Um, We're running public surveys to like the community. We've had discussions. We have open uh, SIP you know, submissions. So anyone who has an idea of what the future blockchain should look like is open. I would encourage people to get involved with those. <laughs> so it's kind of like helping try and again, put together like, what is that? Um, what do all those pieces add up to? How do we make sure that people in the community are aware they know what's coming and um, can have a say on like, what's coming next? Because it's like we have sort of a rough vision, but it, it it's added up by all of the pieces of what's being built um, throughout everywhere else. Look okay. at that. Having conversations like this. <laughs> I think just, yeah, like um, working, I work more with some of the external people. So making sure people are aware of what Stacks is, what's going on in the ecosystem, um, why, if you're a VC, it's a great place to invest in these, like, you know, all of these emerging teams, all these am- amazing things that are coming out of here. Um, so, yeah, I do a lot of that. And then I think there are some questions on Twitter too, but, you know, I oversee like, Sort of, we have a finance team. We're thinking about the treasury. How do we think about the long-term strategy for both the team and um, the assets that we have, and how do we support the network over the long term?
0: Perfect. And yeah, I got got some good uh, treasury questions. Which, especially with everything being down so much, everyone's bags are hurting. So it's it's a bittersweet thing. And I want I want to get to that in a second. But um, you know, voting is pretty straightforward. And so, like, you know, when, when two point one, it's either going to pass or fail. Mm-hmm. The vote. yeah
2: the vote's coming up we have a bunch of content we're writing for like how do i vote where do i vote when do i vote
0: <laughs> All yep. that stuff. And, and those and those feel big so you know when they're happening especially if you're a stacker internally how do you guys goal set to know what to work on it seems like going back to this decentralization ethos like there's so many different voices some louder than others how do you with the noise and goal set to to be proper stewards in some sense
2: yeah, well we've um we open source our OKRs so you can see what they are every quarter we have like a published report um we publish our board deck it's public um so you can see the OKRs how we did against them um our our sort of narrow focus is like how do we get um, the and value for, for one second, what's, what's OKR for those who don't know? Oh yeah. OKR is, um, a objective and key result. Okay. So it's, it's basically like a quarterly goal and it usually has a number attached to it. So you can measure whether you've been successful in your goal or not. Um, so it's very tangible. Um, and so those are published in public and that's what we hold ourselves to. Uh, but thinking about like our longer term mission, you know, it, You know, we think it ultimately comes down to the value created on stacks. We think that the way to tell that is like, if you look at the market cap of Bitcoin, what is the value of um, built on top of stacks? So even if you just looked at the simple like market cap, like where's the market cap of stacks? And then like how much uh, value is on top of that? So like if you added up all the projects that are built on stacks, that number should exceed The market cap of stacks, and then that stacks market cap should be, you know, we're we're like, what if it's three percent of the market cap of Bitcoin? It's like massive. It's huge. It just proves that we are creating value and unlocking value from Bitcoin. So, like, that's kind of our vision. Um, How you get to those numbers is something that, like, has not been the most straightforward. We're just like, well, we think it means that there's got to be a lot of projects building on it. There's got to be a lot of developers who care about it and are using it and experimenting with it. So we've narrowed our goal more into like, okay, how do we make sure there's like 300 teams building on top of stacks? We think that's like a relative proxy. If you look at value of other company or of other protocols, like once they hit that number the value built on top relative to the market cap of the protocol felt more in line. Um, and then with that, okay, if you have 300 teams... Each of those teams probably has at least two developers, let's say, you know, do we have 600 clarity devs that are building within those those companies? Um, And then there's all these other people that support that, like teams or service members or or different things like that. So we kind of have this like thousand number of like real contributors. So if you kind of think of those different bucket areas, we're focused on growing those. um, And we look at a ton of numbers just to kind of get directional feedback of like, how many people in general are learning about stacks? You know, that number's huge, but getting down to the number who are actually like writing code and submitting uh pull requests or have you know full-time employment with a company within the stacks ecosystem, those are some of the signals that like are much higher bars. And so we're just trying to measure success of those. Um, but yeah, we have a great, we have a great tool we use internally that we have a blog post coming out called Orbits as a way to kind of measure these developer communities in a very, like, non-tracking way. Um, So we're very excited to, like, open source that data. Uh, This quarter was the first time we're operating with it, and so we wanted to see how it went. Uh, But so far, it's been really good. Cool. So you said 300 is kind of that hopeful, critical mass number, and earlier, did you say 75 is where we're kind of currently at? Yeah, I think we're at 75. It's probably up from that, because that was at the end of last quarter. Um, And I think, like, there was, like, great, like, cohort coming through the accelerator that obviously has like a big chunk of companies that kind of are formed and exist after that. And then we have a number of, you know, we have like a you know, millions of grantee dollars that are out. And I think there's been some new companies formed around those things too. So, yeah. Cool. More, more. Yeah, and like I said, the how 300, 300 companies is like a proxy for like, how do you measure value um, or how do you try and aim for that and then correlate it to the value on top.
0: Right. Okay, cool. And this might be. If anyone has feedback
2: to... about that too. We're totally open, but that's like where we've been building from.
0: Love it. is the best place to give feedback if they if
2: they heard this is to talk to you or it go to Stacks forum what what did? Yeah, part? the forum is a great place for any sort of questions or comments um, that has things related to the stacks like foundation. We all read it. It's very easy to find. Um, or yeah, on Twitter is great. Um, there's lots of avenues. Like if you care just about governance of the foundation, there's a working group that meets every other week. If you care about the blockchain um innovation, like I said, there's every Monday the blockchain engineers meet. So there are these different uh like verbal forums if you want to be in that. Or yeah, if you just wanna write it um, async and in, in a forum post, that's another great place.
0: Cool. Yeah. S- s- side note, I will say people should just send more messages. Like there's a- I-, I rarely get hit up about anything. To the podcast and i'm always i respond to everything and it's every time i shoot, shoot someone a message at the foundation they're pretty receptive so it's like just a- ask don't don't make it such a big deal like pe- people are nice about it um
2: yeah we but, have a very nice community and a very nice team so yeah <laughs> no one wants to ignore it anyone but you know if they get busy uh that you, it might be a little slower than normal but that's it
0: right Okay, so that that's actually that would be a good transition point to treasury topics because um, I like this idea of three hundred teams. It feels like a good like flywheel effect where you know develop with no developers, so they can start talking about it. You get enough utility with stacks and DLC and Bitcoin that now it's like more people will come in just as a user. Um, but I remember something pseudo Zach said on, the, on our interview is like the good thing about the grants program is it's it's a uh, it's a focusing tool kind of where like you might have four things you want to build as a developer and number one's your most interesting. And if all things are equal, you might build one, but if three could be funded by a grant, I'll, I'll make three, number one. And so there's this <laughs> kind of like, it, it can, it can prioritize things that would benefit the ecosystem and you're still down to build and you could, you know, receive a little funding. And so there's this push and pull I can see of um, putting out funding to sustain development before you run dry and you don't reach critical mass kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I think that was one of the questions that came up is like, how do you, how do you manage deploying too much too fast or thinking about like building for the long term being sustainable?
2: Yeah. Well what we've tried to do is figure out like what are the problem like what are the biggest challenges builders hit. And you know, I think capital comes up like in our recent, a recent survey we did, people are like funding. Um, so we've tried to build uh, you know, through partnerships into different areas. So like Stacks Ventures. So we um, we provided funding with Stacks Ventures to help them get off the ground. We provided a number of support, just like ours, just helping them with comms and recruitment and reviewing and all of that stuff, um, because we think that that's an excellent avenue for people who already have companies. Um, we also supported the pre-accelerator. So this is like helping teams that are just getting their ideas formed. So being able to give this You know, Monday to experts who can then help like 300 teams a year, not just like grants. So it's trying to think about like how those dollars like really multiply in value. Um, We also partnered with like Bitcoin Odyssey to help them um, look at stacks companies. They committed over uh, $170 million to support stacks companies. So there is like an avenue in which if you are a company that's Taking off, you need venture capital. You can go find that. So we've tried to diversify the ways that um, teams can find funding that they need because we know that's a challenge. The grants program is not great if you're just looking to fund a startup or you're looking for, you know, capital um, to fund an MVP. It's really for open source products. Um, of course, we've seen a number of teams that are like building new NFT standards, or they're building new ways um, and functionality and clarity that didn't exist. And like that is grant worthy. And like that should be funded. It needs to be open source and it's available to everyone. But um, yeah, I think that that's been the challenge because I think people would love if they could just get funding from the grants program for like a new idea. Uh, so fortunately, we now have all these other places where they can go to kind of get help. And I think there's even other companies that are incentivized, like Trust Machines has a studio type company. Um, Mechanism has like a studio type thing where they're incubating ideas and teams internally uh, and giving them all the funding resources they need to, to spin them out. So I feel very encouraged like at the diversity of funding that exists. Um, I also think that with our grants program, we are just, you know, we've learned so much in the past year. Like we, basically the amount of money we gave out in grants last year was like the equivalent of what we gave out in Q1. So this mm. year is a huge year for grants. Um, it's great because we denominate <laughs> U.S. dollars and uh, we give out in stacks. And so um, this current bear market means that more stacks in the hands of builders. Um, but I think it's because like, we know that the value is created with with people who are building long-term. We're long-term on stacks. Our treasury is in stacks. We earn Bitcoin from stacking. We use that to fund operations of our team, but we try and preserve as many stacks as possible for things that only benefit like the network and don't have to like fund our own operations. Um, so with that goal in mind, we just think about like what how those dollars do the most good in the ecosystem. Um, and it's constantly a moving target because the ecosystem constantly needs different stuff.
0: <laughs> right. And does, does uh, speed of deployment change when you're... You know, in a bull market, and uh, a stack goes further versus in a bear market. Do you are you more reserved, or is it more the opposite? Maybe where now is a build time. So when the bull market's ready, where things are more prepared. How do you guys think about that push and pull? Yeah,
2: yeah. I think we've definitely had an evolution this year. Like at the beginning, um, you know, stacks the stacks price was worth a lot more. So like the number of stacks we could give out, uh, or the number we were giving out was much less relative um than what we' give out now at the same u s dollar value, and so at that time we were like running a lot of experiments and it's been our prerogative to like look back at what was successful and where we saw the most value and try and adjust the grants program to that so I think over time we've kind of we've gotten to a better place of narrowing like what is going to make a grant successful and what are the types of grants that really provide a lot of value. Um, so maybe we're a little more discerning. We're also getting way more applications um, than we've had before. So I think like those two mix may feel like, oh, not everything is gonna get funding that maybe would have like a year ago because it was just like a smaller pool. We didn't have as much learning, um, but now we're we're really in this really great spot. And we also have the introduction of this list grants, um, which is very specific things the ecosystem needs. They're well-scoped. Those ideas, if you're a builder and you're like, hey, how can I contribute? You could go apply for a very specific wishlist grant. And what's great about those is like, it fills an immediate need. Like you have an immediate customer base. You have immediate um, people who need to use the stuff that you're building. So uh, we're trying to get more of our grants um, in that. So that's kind of a Q4. You know, it'd be great if like a third of our grant funding went to wishlist grants. Um, we still have those open grants that people can apply for, uh, but kind of moving into like the, maybe 50% are our wishlist grants, um, in the future. Very cool.
0: Okay. I got a couple more questions as we start to bring this to a close. Um, and it's going to be a, a left turn. I want to move into, uh, females in tech, women in tech. And, you know, it's one of those things where like, as a guy podcaster, I'm just looking for cool, interesting startups. And it, it. It, it was made of work to myself. It was like, I have to actually look harder to find a woman founder, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'd love, love to just hear a little bit of your point of view about women in tech and how to make that like bridge some of that divide.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I've worked in tech for a very long time. And so like my whole career, it's like, yeah, this has been a, a question forever. Like, being a female co-founder raising venture capital, it's like less than at the time, I think it was like less than like 3% of women co-founders got like venture capital. Selling a company as a woman founder, like sitting at a table with like 11 men, <laughs> 11 white men and being the only woman. Um, being a woman VC, that's like less than 10%. Like there's just constantly this, um, you know, women are in the minority in a lot of tech sectors. But I think in my, you know, even in the past 15 years, it's like the amount that's changed like you see women in leadership roles you see funds started by women you see powerful voices of very diverse people not just women but like um people who have different backgrounds that aren't the traditional stereotype of sorry like young white men who live in silicon valley <laughs> so um i am very encouraged i think it's only gotten better um but i do think it is uh, one of these things to always be conscious of, of like who are the people you're surrounding yourselves with like what are the ideas coming into your brain um if there's a gap then it's probably worth diversifying and figuring out like hmm like why aren't there any women on this panel or like hmm like do we really have a diverse set if everyone is just like an english speaking you know college educated <laughs> person that grew up in the web 2 world we're probably missing a lot of perspectives so um so yeah i think the fact that you've been bringing up is great like just being aware calling it out you know, sort of asking if you're not sure, like, hey, I need more, I want more podcast guests that are different than the folks I've talked to. Like that would include women. That would include, you know, non-binary folks. That would include folks from jurisdictions that we don't normally hear from. Like, that's great. Um, I think it's awesome.
0: Right. Okay. And I want to do one, one more little nuance that I'm curious about because the the two arguments I hear is like, one is a gatekeeping argument where it's like, they just don't see your value as, as the same or something like that. And the other is um, it's like a belief first thing where it's like, because there's a lack of role models being close to you, you don't see it as something that's actually tangible for you. In your kind of like gut instinct. Which one do you think is more prevalent in the, in the current society?
2: Um. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I can speak to my own experience. I mean, I think it's, like I always seek out role models of people, you know, that kind of are living the way that I want. And that includes like women who are in leadership roles or like, you know, I have a young child. So I think of like parental roles, like people who are leading, but their parents, um, I think that it's helpful for me to see those role models. Um, but it is strange, like even being in this role, coming from Uh, the team that I was at, I was the only female lead uh, at the team. There were six people who were leads. Their leadership styles are very different than mine. And I definitely have, uh, you know, like worked with a coach and like been very cognizant of like, am I a good leader? I don't act like them and I don't work like them. And like our team culture is different uh, because of who I am. And, you know, part of that's being a woman, but part of that's just who I am. And so getting comfortable with like, my leadership is not going to be the same as um, maybe one of my peers, but that doesn't mean it's bad, doesn't mean it's good. It just means like it's distinct and like trying to be the best leader I can uh, with my style. Um, I think I'm very proud that we have a very diverse team. Like I think we have a mix of backgrounds and genders and viewpoints in our team of like 16 people. It's very global. And I think that's because to me, it's, Um, I've been lucky that I haven't been as, you know, my bias is because being like sometimes, um, the minority in the room, I think it just helps like, I don't know, look past any of that, um, that other like confirmation bias. So, So, yeah. So I don't know. I'm sure it's both actually. I think that's really good. But I think in my experience, it is, it is weird being in like a leader for the first time in an industry that doesn't really exist in a field that didn't even exist like five years ago. So I lean on a lot of my peers, but if you look around at Web three foundations, there's actually some very kick-ass women who are leading a lot of the orcs, And I don't think that's a surprise because it is very community-led, coordination-oriented, communication-oriented things that um, often women get uh, categorized as being pretty good at. <laughs>
0: Love it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, then uh, last question. And I always end on a kind of like rosy high note. So i want to ask it two different ways. One, where do you see the foundation of five years if it's like everything's going perfectly? And then what do you see yourself in five years?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, well, the foundation in five years. So one of the big key initiatives is becoming a nonprofit. So you know, we got an initial treasury amount when we were formed. Um, That's been great. We want to keep investing that in the ecosystem. But I think uh, when we can open the doors to having um, money coming in as well, so we can continue the foundation so that it serves as a really long organization that continues with the success of the protocol, that will be very critical. Um, So, you know, at that point, who knows, like maybe we're just more like a fund to funds where like it's a small team. We help distribute funds. There's like hundreds of DAOs and different organizations and different initiatives. And we're just helping, you know, take money in, redirect it to the most critical sort of non-commercial things like core development and governance. But um, I see that as the path that we're going on. I also see that like the value that we've created on top of Bitcoin is so massive that Um, people, it like changes people's lives. Like they feel completely different about their relationship to crypto because it's had such a positive impact on on how they live, how they transact, how they create. And I think we're already seeing that with Web3, but I know that we can help achieve that mission at the foundation. Um, And for myself, uh, yeah, five years in crypto, that's like a really long time. (laughs) Um, But no, I think I'm going to, you know, I've had a pretty consistent thread in my career of like, trying to do things that haven't been done before um, supporting uh, things that we haven't done working to support entrepreneurs and collaborators. So whether that's through the foundation or through um, some other part of the ecosystem to support those uh, that's, that's like, I don't know. I don't see veering off that path anytime soon.
0: Fantastic. That's a, a, a great way to end it. I think so. Uh, I think we can close it there. Any closing thoughts or what people find you?
2: Um, yeah, find me on Twitter, um, like BR underscore TTNY, you probably link to this, but, um, yeah, I just want to thank you, Jake, actually. Cause like, I think bringing a voice to all the creators in the stacks ecosystem has been fantastic. It's such a great show. And I think, you know, you just bring a lot of positivity to the community and, and help people kind of connect the dots of all this decentralized information happening. So this is my gratitude to you for doing the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you
0: so much. I will say I've been struggling a little bit because bear markets are quieter. And so I was I was getting some of that validation. It feels so good. So uh thank thank you for that. That means a yeah. lot.
2: This is not my first bear being in crypto a long time. So don't worry. It's uh, you know, this is when builders thrive. So <laughs> hang Love in there. It. Love it.
0: Okay, cool. Then yeah, it's been a fantastic episode. Thank you so much, Britney, for coming on. Thanks so much, Jake.
1: Welcome to build on bitcoin I know the things don't always go your way but i'll be right here waiting wait now i've been trying to figure out a way to make it out make it out cuz i don't think about